0: Hello everybody and welcome again to Nerd in the Third Power, your one-stop shop for all things nerdy and awesome. I'm your host and master of ceremonies, Dr. Gonzo. With me as always, this epic quest of awesomeness is our resident enemy goddess, the
1: Cat. Cat,
0: how you doing?
1: I'm doing pretty good. How you doing?
0: I'm doing fine, doing fine. Uh and uh, in our correspondence corner we've got uh we've got Brian. So Brian, how, what what the fuck? Brian, what did I tell you about playing Overwatch while while you're on the on the company dime? God, just get on the point. It says defend.
2: Defend the point. Big bold letters on the screen. What? Huh? Oh, hi.
0: <sighs> are, are, are we going to have to are we going to have to suspend your internet privileges
1: again? Well, don't worry, give it a few minutes it'll go down. <laughs> I wonder if the wireless controller works in the pain glove.
2: <laughs> well, I use a mouse and keyboard because I'm an elitist oh. prick.
1: <laughs> oh, oh.
0: Which is really weird that that's not coming.
1: <laughs> anyway, so same question: <laughs> Does the wireless mouse? <laughs> Can you still play if we? If you're if we leave your computer stationed where it is, but you still have your mouse as we drag you kicking and screaming into the paint glove.
2: Well, we'll run the experiment eventually.
1: But we'll make John do it. Anyway, we got a lot of show for your night, although
0: uh, we did make kind of, a, kind of a bit of a boo-boo. Our original planned discussion was uh, to discuss Finding Dory. However, as the time machine has not yet completed, or indeed uh, able to function without... Uh, the time of returning uh, as a complete human being and not a inside-out abomination unto the Lord, uh, we're going to have to wait and see it with everybody else when it comes out this weekend. So we decided instead to do something a little safer, and we're going to talk about the 20th anniversary of the Pokémon franchise, which is a discussion that I am really looking forward to because I'm a huge Poké-nut from way back, and there's a lot that I had to say on this subject, so I'm really looking forward to this. But of course, there is procedure to follow, so we're going to begin, as always, with Ask a Geek. And we got a few questions here. Uh, first one is uh, for Kat. And uh, oddly enough, it's from another Christine. And uh, she asked uh, As a Studio Ghibli fan, what are your thoughts on Nino Kuni, Wrath of the White Witch?
1: Uh, the, the irony being that I'm not a Studio uh, Ghibli fan. Um, I've never really particularly enjoyed any of their films. That's not to say I think they're bad. I think they're magnificent films. I just don't get any entertainment out of them. Um, that being said, Nino Kuni is gorgeous. A oh, really, really great game. I haven't played it. I've actually just watched my roommate play through it. Because I'm also not a gamer. So this question is just bonkers all around for me. But um, I really like the game. Well, at least watching my roommate play the game. Um, like, I think the characters are all really fun and interesting. Um, like, I like the um, the settings of everything. I really like the story. It's all just all around really cool game. Um, I heard they were going to make a sequel. Um, and that also looks really cool. So I'm kind of excited to see somebody play the sequel. <laughs> Not me, of course, but somebody play the sequel. <laughs> okay. Alright. Uh, okay,
0: let's see. Uh, next question here uh, comes from, let's see here now, from Paul, and it is for Brian. And he asks, who would you see uh, playing Cable in a Cable and Deadpool film? And I guess we'll just open this question up to all three of us. So, Brian, let's start with you.
2: Well, they, I feel like they've they've started that, they mentioned Dolph Lundgren, and this, the moment you mention Dolph Lundgren, you gotta get Dolph Lundgren. I mean... That's, that's how things go now. Like, that is that is how things sh- should work for this film franchise. Oh, that's, that's the character you want? Boom, that's the actor you're going to get.
0: See, I don't know, like, because, like, I recently saw the Dolph Lundgren Punisher film, and, like, I... That's what... Really? So you're not going to be able to take him seriously in a Deadpool movie? Well, the thing is is, 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 is Cable's the serious character. He's the, he's the straight man. But once you hear Dolph Lundgren shout in his thick accent, THE GUILTY MUST BE PUNISHED! You know, you can't really look at him straight again. You just kind of, you know...
2: Listen, all I'm saying is that Ivan Drago would be an
0: excellent Cable. My answer is Ron Perlman. I want to see a Ron Perlman Cable. That would be. I think that would be amazing. What about you, Kat? Who would you pick for Cable?
1: I think if Ron Perlman wants to do it, then I'm all for that. I know other actors would probably like to do it, but uh, Ron Perlman is really gung-ho about it, and I think he would actually do really great at the job. Okay. Says the girl who doesn't really know very much about Cable.
2: Trust me, the comics don't know very much about Cable anymore.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and the question's been
0: put to me uh, by a couple friends, like, you know, so you wouldn't go see a Cable solo film? Like The thing about Cable is I've never liked him unless he was paired up with Deadpool because otherwise I just don't find him a very interesting character because he just, I don't know, when I was reading uh, comics Cable was in his uh, his future time-traveling mutant messiah phase and I don't know if he ever got over that Jesus complex that he had. Um, so I never really found that a very interesting character. But no, if Ron Perlman was cast to play Cable in a Cable solo film I yeah, I'd be all up-ons on that. So so I yeah, a Ron Perlman cable film that's, That would be my pick uh, Let's see And uh, here's a question here from Peter And it is uh, for me And he asks what I think uh, If I've played Overwatch and if so what I think about it But I don't play online shooters But given the fact that, you, that he's still Playing it while we're in the middle of our Recording session despite repeated Warnings against doing so I think we're going to turn our gaze to Brian And ask him what he thinks of Listen, this Hanzo prick's going down.
2: Like, I just. I'm sick of that fucking praise. Your laptop
0: is going down the stairwell <laughs> if you don't get off that goddamn game in the middle of recording.
2: Yeah, well, okay, pause. I guess, well, it's not really a pause. It's an online game. All right, whatever. I'm probably going to do a couple Wait, times.
0: Way to, ru- way to ruin the bit by trying to do something you can't actually do. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. I'm salvaging Hey, not with book. that attitude. Yeah, you seriously, can't. yeah, you
2: jerk. Let me finish my shit. Anyway, so like I mean, I like Overwatch for what it is. It's just a team-based shooter, kind of like Team Fortress Two. Um, it's it's ironic though, because like the Blizzard had put together this wonderful set of characters, this wonderful set of world, this wonderful world, all this big story involved going with it, and backstories and character relationships that you never get to actually play in the game because it is a team-based shooter. So you're you're Different maps usually involve capturing a point, defending a point, or escorting a, uh, a thing to another side of the map. I mean, it's fun, but there is just a point in time going, there's obviously more here they're not letting on to.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, 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 it looks to me, it, I mean, it looks like a very well-designed game. I just, I don't play online shooters. It's just not something that's up my alley. Now, maybe if they actually came out with a, a single-player mode... Where I could actually explore the world and the story, then yeah, I'd be I I'd, I'd, I'd probably give it a whirl. But as of right now, it's just not something that really interests me. But it's uh, it's apparently got gets Hooks in Brian pretty deep because he's still fucking playing it.
2: Well, I, listen, listen, I'm almost level twenty three. Give me a couple of matches and I'll be all right.
0: Eh, give you a couple of little cracks to the head. That's what I'll give you. <laughs> all right. And uh, that's about all the Ask a Geek questions that we have for this week. Uh, As always, you can send them to us through the email at drgonzo at nerdofthethirdpower.com. We love getting your questions, uh, so go ahead and send them in. And, uh, you know, maybe we'll get your questions read on the air. We love getting your questions, love answering them, so get them in. And uh, also, if you're one of our Facebook faithful, we have a permanent Ask a Geek thread on our Facebook that we also take questions from. So go ahead and get those in.
2: So now we're going to move on to our wonderful discussion topic. And can you believe this? It's been 20 years, and Pokemon is still a relevant franchise right now. A franchise that has existed with almost the same type of game mechanics every single other year that's coming out. Can you guys believe this? Because I can.
0: <laughs> wow, you just sound like just so derisive of the whole thing. Like it's personally offended you in some way.
2: <laughs> it hasn't personally offended me. Listen, also, I'll, I'll tell you a little bit of a backstory here. Is that my... well. Pokemon has been around for for as long as almost I've been alive. Basically, I didn't actually play my first Pokemon game until Soul Silver, and the only reason I played that because I was stuck in an airport and I needed something to do. Let's let's start from the beginning, shall we? What, is, what what's going for the inspiration of Pokemon? How did this franchise start? How did we get to the point where there's a Pikachu army in Japan? <laughs>
0: Okay, well, um, the Pokemon uh, series was created by uh, Sat- Let me get the the name right here because I'm I, I'm always terrible with Japanese names. Uh, Satoshi Tajiri. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, but anyway, he first thought of the initial concept in uh, around 1989 or 90 when the Game Boy was first released, and it was based on a childhood hobby that he had. He would uh, collect insects, um, and he wanted to come. He wanted to come up with something. You know, the, a game that would allow players to do something similar for kids who lived in, you know, urban areas where they weren't able to, you know, collect a whole lot of bugs. You know, aside from, you know, fruit flies and mosquitoes and whatever, you know, nasty form of spider lives in Japan. I don't know. some Probably some kind of hairy tarantula or something. I don't know.
1: There's some pretty scary ones.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> Did he make these bugs fight? Because that is also something that's very... In that's been a part of the Pokemon franchise. So was that? Look,
0: if, if there's if there if there's one thing that I've learned in regards to the creative minds of Nintendo, it's not to look too too closely at where their ideas come from because you may learn uncomfortable truths. <laughs> so, but that was the uh, that was the basic uh, the basic concept was basically it was inspired by his uh, his love of collecting bugs and he wanted to come up with something something similar to that concept, and so in a. Uh, Excuse me. So in a, in uh, where was the date? Yeah, Okay. So in 1995, uh, late in the life cycle of the original Game Boy, uh, the first Pokemon games were released, and they just took the world by storm. I can't think of any like I can't think like not since Super Mario Brothers in 1983 has a Japanese produced uh as a piece of Japanese culture taken the US by such a complete and utter storm as Pokemon like the only things I can think of that came anywhere near close to this were like Sailor Moon and Dragon Ball those are the only two things I can, com- I can think of that came anywhere near close to being the cultural phenomena uh, that Pokemon was when it was first released and uh, what made it stand out from its contemporaries was they came up with this brilliant idea of, you, you know, the original games, red and green, uh, red and blue here in the US, and eventually yellow, there were 150 individual Pokemon you know now some of you people that haven't been playing for as long as I have you may be thinking oh you know 150 oh you must have caught them all easily <laughs> i would strike you for your in- for your ignorance but i cannot i have not yet manifested the ability to direct my will physically through the internet so know that i look upon you with scorn but um you you're very, get- you're
2: very violent today i want to point that out <laughs> you're 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 threatening me you're threatening the audience but to, to, to go back to the release so I don't know much about how the release happened. Now you, you mentioned the sort of combination of this is sort of like Dragon Ball Z and Sailor Moon, but Dragon Ball Z and Sailor Moon they sort of existed in Japan long before they made the travel to the states and had their impact. So this, the, like, so Pokemon didn't exist in Japan for a while, then eventually made its way. It was launched pretty much worldwide at the same
0: time, correct? Pretty close too. I remember reading a, a preview article for uh, for Pokemon or Pocket Monsters as it was uh, called in Japan. Uh, i want to say about a year before it was released in the U.S. But what made it stand out was its com- was there were several things that made it stand out. First, as I as I said, uh, they were they released two versions of the game because you couldn't get all 150 monsters in one game. So you had to trade with other players for Pokemon that you couldn't get, and you could also build your own team and have battles with other players. So there was a social concept. That was is it, it was it was what I would call the first truly social vi- socialized video game because it encouraged you to go out and seek out other players to trade and to battle with. And I also kind of there, there's there's a very cynical part of me in the back of my brain that thinks that it was also a very uh, cheap cash grab to try and get rid of all the Game Boy Link cables that were sitting gathering dust in a warehouse in Japan. Because let me tell you, before Pokemon came out, nobody, you could count on one hand the number of people who owned a Link Cable in the entire U.S. Then Pokemon comes out and suddenly they're just flying off the shelves. You couldn't find them. Uh, because in the old days, if you want to do multiplayer on a handheld, you had to have, you, you not only each had to have a system in the game, but you also had to run a cable between the two systems in order to actually, in order to actually play the game. Not not
2: a short not a, like a long cable, mind you. This was pretty short. You had to be a good friend with the person that you're doing this with.
0: <laughs> oh yes, you 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 had to hope that uh, they were intimately acquainted with soap and or deodorant. <laughs> That's how close you had to get. Uh, and it just you know this was something that that the gaming world had never seen before, and it just took off like wildfire. I would love to have been. In the elevator, when Tajiri made the pitch to the made the elevator pitch, because it's one of those things where you look at it on paper, and you hear the concept, and you roll it around in your head, and you think, you know, this is the absolute dumbest fucking thing in the entire world. There is no way anyone would ever buy this or or throw money at it. But Pokemon is right now the second best selling video game franchise of all time only Mario has made dollar for dollar more than the Pokemon franchise has had and only barely
2: Well a lot of that comes from hindsight look because a lot of things in the gaming world I've noticed you have this weird hindsight about certain news and certain games where a game that looks like a great franchise ends up being a dud only a couple years later and a game you never thought would actually go anywhere suddenly is the biggest thing in the whole world to the point of having uh, toys coming out with it as well. And uh, animes upon animes as well coming over into the states, uh, mangas and everything like that. So it sort of built its franchise over not, almost overnight. It feels like is it, it was there was the, there is like pre Pokemon and post Pokemon like that is sort of how it works.
0: Yeah, and uh, another thing that made the game stand out was you know they were easy to learn. You know you had you had your monster. Each monster could only learn four attacks, and each attack had its own you know effect. You know, and that was all that you really had to worry about. But if you, you know, anyone could pick up and learn that. Okay, one monster, four attacks, you pick an attack, there you go. And you know, fire beats beats grass, grass beats water, water beats fire, okay, rock, paper, scissors, okay. Pretty much anybody can get that. But if you stuck around and actually dug beneath the surface, you suddenly found that there was so much more to this system and it became something infinitely complex and customizable. It was one of the, it was one of the few games at the time where you could liter- you could pretty literally play tailor the game to how you wanted it to play, and nothing else like it existed at the time, and very little uh, has existed like it since. Well, I can't really say that because in the la- in the late nineties there were a glut of a Pokemon clones. Uh, you had Digimon, which actually predated Pokemon by a couple years with the little tamagotchi like digital pets. Um, you had there, was, there were so many different Poke clones. It was it was obscene, but none of them, uh, with the exception of Digimon, had the staying power or are still remembered today. Although you're still seeing a few uh, odd attempts in there, like you got this new one Yokai Watch that just came out. That's apparently really popular. Um, I don't know much about it. Um, but the other thing that made Pokemon such a big phenomena, especially in the states, was the anime series that came with it. And uh I cat I know that you haven't you, you haven't wa- you're not a huge fan of the show. I don't know how much of it you've seen, but I know that you can you can speak a bit to the effect that the show had on the anime scene in the US.
1: Oh yeah, it um I guess it must have aired on Saturday morning when all these kids were watching cartoons. Um so even if you weren't playing the game or the card game, then you were probably watching the cartoon. And um, it sort of brought to people's attention the concept of anime. A lot of people had been watching it um, as Sailor Moon or Dragon Ball or one of those shows. But a younger audience was the target for Pokemon. And uh, so it was one of those shows that sort of introduced a younger generation to anime. Um, And it... It kind of made people realize um, that these cartoons that their kids were watching weren't like other cartoons. They weren't normal cartoons. They were different somehow. Um, It 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 wasn't just Anvil
0: Falls on Head, Coyote Goes Flat. Right. (laughs) Well, you had Team Rocket. Yes. um,
1: Yes. Um, So once Pokemon got popular, other... Similarly targeted children's anime started coming over. Um, then you'd have Digimon and, God, so many came over targeted at children pretty much because of Pokemon and the popularity thereof. Although I, I, can, think
0: of, I, I can think of one sin that uh, can be laid at the Pokemon anime's feet that I'm sure many anime fans uh, have yet to forgive it for, and that's that Pokemon was the anime that uh, made four kids uh, a household name. And all that that entailed.
1: (laughs) Yes. Um, And the thing about Pokemon is that um, I think some people got a little confused. Like, some kids would watch it and then not understand the reason why episodes were skipped or strange cuts and edits were made. And it's because the, uh, the Japanese children are a little more capable of handling certain things than American people give their children credit for. So there are whole episodes that were skipped just because of the content of it. So I I know a lot of my friends who grew up watching it were like, what happened here? And they're like, oh, those were episodes that were left out. So it's kind of weird because we don't ever get the full effect of Pokemon, the anime series anyway. Um... Because we've never gotten to see all of it here.
0: Although a lot of the, a lot of the the, the the cut episodes have since been released. Although there's one that uh, Nintendo said is not ever coming to the U.S. and that's Electric Soldier Porygon, uh, which is the one that made headlines when it gave uh, hundreds of Japanese children fucking seizures.
2: Yeah. And that was and that was and that became such a big deal. As I remember that joke came into the subculture and pop culture references. The Simpsons, of all people, <laughs> uh, referenced that episode when they Fighting visited Japan. Fighting Caesar robots. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so
2: it, it's sort of amazing that that, that even as an and as anime form in pop culture, it's it's not only seeped into Japan, it seeped in the U.S. as well very quickly. Um, we, yeah. Very sp- like a sponge to water kind of thing. Um, To the point of, to my knowledge, the show is still running. Like, every game has has another series, and we all stare at Ash going, you are the worst fucking trainer in the history of this franchise.
0: (laughs) I want to know why he's still 10 years old. Go look on YouTube. Someone's actually calculated the amount of time that should logically have passed, given the the time of each episode. Ash should be, like, 15 by now, but he's still (laughs) fucking 10 years old despite the fact that in the show they have also, they have at times explicitly marked the passing of years. So I'm convinced that Ash is just a time lord.
1: Um, so getting off that subject a little bit, uh, another kind of impact that it had here that we haven't talked about yet was the card game. Now, I know people who watched the show but didn't play the handheld games. They actually only played the card games, and I learned about it from the card games first from my friends who played them rather than the show i didn't even know there were handheld games i honest to god thought that the card game came first but that definitely put a precedent out there for these kinds of card games for younger kids like magic might be a little above some kids heads but pokemon was easier and that paved the way for yugioh
0: oh yeah and 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 not just for not just for little kids either I mean, the, the again, the, the the genius of the card game was it was easy to learn, you know, if if you could pick if you, if you could pick it up and understand the mechanics, it was easy to learn. But there was behind it again an infinitely customizable and infinitely complex and infinitely rewarding system if you had the drive to pick it up and learn it. And uh, <laughs> it, it, it got a lot of kids in trouble uh, in school uh, when I was growing up. The the Pokemon card game, uh, I actually. This is a, this is a, a, a story that I don't think I've ever told on the show, but I actually got to, the first time I was ever suspended from school. It was because I was running a gambling ring around the Pokemon card game. <laughs> we would hold like we would hold like mini tournaments uh, over over the lunch period, and I would take bets. And uh, of I of course he would. And I, I, at one point, I made like I think it was like seventy bucks uh, in one lunch period, just from the bets. And the, that was the day the principal caught wind of it. And I got suspended when my, when my dad found out about it, he, uh, said, I don't know whether to ground you for life or take you to Vegas. Well, I'm
2: taking you. <laughs> I'm not sure taking you to Vegas is going to help. Cause, cause you're, you're the one in charge of the money. That's why you had the $70. You weren't the one actually playing anything. You're getting other people to do it. You should be running the casino not playing in one.
0: <laughs> So, um, but yeah, it was, and again, it was, it was, it paved the way for so many things that came afterward. You know, we talk about you know Yu Gi Oh, big huge thing. You know, that was possible because of the success of the Pokemon card game. And it's it's another, and again, it's another one of the, the big success stories. Like, you know, there have been card games, excuse me, there have been trading card games that have come and gone, and you know, been flash in the pants, or maybe lasted for a year before they got discontinued. But the Pokemon card game is still going on strong. I think the, it's one of only three that I can think of that has lasted for longer than a decade, and the other two are Magic and Yu-Gi-Oh!,
2: It's in you. Kind of look at a if you look at a franchise. I've noticed especially nowadays since tabletop gaming has gained popularity that if you could make a game out of it, be it a board game or card game or anything, it's fun. It can continue. That sort of adds on to that the longevity of the franchise as a whole because the name is still out there. People are still enjoying it. Um, I will say like I've never played the card game, Uh, but I did watch last year when I was at San Japan. Two of the guys I was working with were like just bored. We're, it was the end of like the weekend, it was like a Sunday, and they just looked at each other and say, hey, you want to get a match? Yeah, sure, get a match. So all out of nowhere, these guys just pull out their cards and shuffle, and everything's all set and ready to go, and I'm watching them going, how is this going to? He's like, wait, see, I have this and this, and I want to do this and this and this and this, and going this and this and this, and I win. I was like, what the fuck just happened?
0: <laughs> yeah, it, the, the, there's, there's still a huge competitive scene. Uh, surrounding the the Pokemon card game, uh, if you go on YouTube and look up a guy called uh, called the Jaywitz, uh he most of his videos are uh, Pokemon related. He's actually done like workshop videos on like card deck strategies, and like he's he's really really talented guy at this. At this like really inform Like you can tell this is a guy who knows exactly what he's talking about when he does these workshops. It's phenomenal. Um, but it's like. You know, this was something that was so unprecedented, and it it was such. I think that the 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 American culture didn't really know what to make of it at the time when it first appeared. You know, I remember uh, reading an article in Electronic Gaming Monthly. Ha <laughs> That dates me pretty well. <laughs> <That I remember laughs> you read a that magazine I, that I remember. That I that I not only remember, but I read gaming magazines. Yes, I remember EGM when it was awesome. Uh, and there was an article in uh, their their Pokemon issue. About this church pastor who had done like a whole sermon, like a Jack Chick style, on the evils of Pokemon because he thought that it it you know promoted witchcraft and you know and evolution. I'm just like you know it was, and this is like just after the uh, the the Columbine thing had happened, so you know. How video games were affecting our kids was very much in the public consciousness. You know, Jack Thompson was running around. You know, he hadn't he didn't quite reach the levels that he had in the early two thousands, but you know, he was getting his engine running. You know, so here comes this this video game from Japan about let's just be totally honest, glorified dogfights. And <laughs> you know, imagine being a parent being a parent in the nineties looking at this and not having any idea of what it is. And again, it's one of those things, like, you know, we look at it now, and it's like, oh, you know, it, it's, it's a pretty easy concept. Guy goes around collecting little, little monsters that he uses in, in battle. But, you know, you try explaining to your, to your parents back, if we, you know, we try to explain to our parents back in the 90s, they looked at us like we had two heads. You know? Well, I think we, we, the, we,
2: people fear what they don't understand, to steal a quote that more famous people have used.
0: Like, if you go back and you watch the Chin Pokemon episode of South Park... That's not too far off, aside from the whole, you know, the Japanese wanting to bomb Pearl Harbor bit. That's not too far off from how America reacted to Pokemon when it first came out. It was just utter... If you weren't, like, wholeheartedly buying into it, you were utterly confused. So, that kind of... Bringing
2: that up, that since this is an anniversary, uh, essentially. You know, 20 years. uh, 20 years, correct? Yep. So... There's a lot of anniversaries going on this year. It's hard to keep track of them, but yeah, so 20 years of Pokemon. How is that like how why is it why has it lasted that long? What is the appeal? Is it just because like it is a it is kind of simplified? Is that every couple of years we have literally a new generation coming up going, "Oh yeah, I'm going to play this game" or uh maybe fans of uh, of it before that Lost track of it Pick it back up again Like That one webcomic That I remember Reading Where it was elementary school. It was like Pokemon, yay! Middle school, Pokemon, boo! College, Pokemon, yay! Like, <laughs> like it had that sort of wave effect.
0: <laughs> Which you know what? That is that exactly describes like my experience with Pokemon growing up. Because like you know, in elementary and middle school, it was the shit. Then you get then you went into high school and it was like, oh god, Pokemon's stupid. It's for babies. Then I I graduate from high school and I start going to college. Everybody's playing Pokemon again, and it's like. I don't know. It was like I, I, I was like there was this, this switch that went off. It was like for those four years, like oh geek culture, oh it's so stupid. Then getting to college, it's like yeah, geeks fucking awesome. Yeah, Pokemon's great, you know. But I think honestly, the lasting appeal, the thing that really gave Pokemon its appeal, was something beyond the games themselves. I think it's the fact that it's something that people, you know, can connect over. You know, it was, like I said, it was it's a socialized game, and it's something that people, you know, from a, now, you know, originally just in your scoreboard, but now people across the world with the advent of the internet can connect over, you know. Another thing that I, I don't think I mentioned was that when Pokemon first came out, you know, the internet was first starting to get, you know, become a big thing. And there were all these Pokemon message boards, you know, speculating about what was coming in the future, you know, what was coming in a... In, in gold and sl- in silver, you know, until the day I die, I will look at Meryl as Blue because I remember when that was the first image release of Pokemon Gold and Silver, that was the first Pokemon we saw, and nobody knew what the fuck it was called, it just looked like a blue Pikachu, and there were all of these rumors floating around, people discussing and theorizing, you know, and now people all over the world are able to connect over this, you know, there's... There's, there's, a, there's a, a trailer that was released uh, recently for the new games, Pokemon Sun and Moon, and the commercial basically follows this young Japanese boy who's moved with his family to Hawaii, and he doesn't really, you know, he doesn't have any friends, he has trouble, you know, he doesn't speak English very well, so he has trouble, you know, communicating and making friends. And you know he winds up going into a into a game store and buying the new Pokemon game. Just kind of walk around the playground, and he sees another kid playing Pokemon, and he just wa- he just runs up with big grin on his face, holds up his DS to, to show that he's you know he's playing Pokemon, and the other kid is just like, oh yeah, Pokemon, come on, you we know, want sit down, let's have fun, you know, let's 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 you know let's play together. You know, I think that really encapsulates what has given Pokemon its appeal is it's something for people to connect over you know it uh, you know it's 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 like Star Wars or Star Trek or you know anime in general or comic books it's something that people can create a community around and 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 build friendships Mm. off of and I think that really is what gives it its lasting appeal
2: because one of the things I... I mean, I brought it up earlier, and it's a criticism of the series, is that despite the fact that we've gotten new Pokemon over the years and we still have the same Pokemon or other different uh, different types of Pokemon in movies, the games themselves, the game's mechanics, have not really changed. There's never been a drastic overhaul of anything. I think the most drastic overhaul at one point was, like, team battles,
0: where you could have... Not just two Pokemon fighting, but four Pokemon fighting at well, the same he, time. He, he, here's, here's the thing you got to remember: the mechanics behind Pokemon they're they they're, they're deceptively simple. Yeah, at first glance, it, like I said, it looks like it's easy to learn. But if you dig past that, there's an infinitely complex system back there. If you're willing to sit and learn it, and I feel like that to try and and make significant alterations to that, you know, would would cause lasting damage to that formula because, you know, it'd be like, it would be almost like knocking over a, a row of dominoes. You know, you, couldn't, you can't really make any changes to that formula without drastically changing the system.
2: Now, how do you explain the, the several different spin off games that we've had? So, like, we've had the main Pokemon, which has almost always been universally a portable game. But then you had several, often like Pokemon Arena, Pokemon Battle, Pokemon Snap, Pokemon. Like it was, it was a time where it seemed like Pokemon could oversaturate itself, uh, just with these different spinoffs and everything. But again, it doesn't. It might have oversaturated, but it hasn't really affected the longevity of the franchise. Is that because the main game is still the one th- the go-to, and these uh, side games are just the salt and pepper?
0: Yeah, the, the, the main games are, are, are and always have been the meat and potatoes of the franchise. But at the same time, you know, we talked a bit in the Sonic anniversary about how malleable the character of Sonic the Hedgehog is. You know, there's that same malleability with Pokemon. You know, you can come up with something, you know, as, as down-to-earth and kid-friendly as Hey You Pikachu or Pokemon Snap or something that, you know, sort of the more mature gamers can enjoy like, like Pokemon Tournament uh, which that blew my mind when I first heard about it it was like okay it's a, it's a it's a Pokemon game but it's Tekken it's a tekken style fighter and it actually works you know it, it's it's such a malleable property that you can do just about anything with it and not and and I and it, you know if it, it, it'll either work really well or if it doesn't work then you know hey it's not it, it's not really gonna do a whole lot of lasting damage to the brand because the core of the series is so strong and so polished to a mirror shine so that makes any sense that
2: makes sense i'm gonna pose a question to cat because she's more of a worldly travel traveler than we are and so do you think now because we've been speaking very very exclusively with the u.s because that's what we're we're with so in japan like i mentioned before there is that giant you know almost Pikachu army do you you ever fear that in Japan itself it might be waning but the only reason it's still uh still going is because the U.S. scene or is it just as strong as Japan in Japan I mean
1: oh I think it's definitely um still going strong in Japan I don't know as much about the Japanese gaming scene but um Pikachu very specifically is an excellent marketing tool um, kind of like Hello Kitty or Doraemon or something. It's something that's kid-friendly, and you can put it on just about anything. Um, and because of the merchandising aspect of it, I don't really feel like the Pokemon franchise will ever be in any danger in Japan as long as people keep finding Pikachu cute.
2: Fascinating. So, we are now on the cusp of two more Pokemon games coming well,
0: out. Well... Hang on, they're, they're, while, we're, while we're still on the topic of the Lasting Appeal, there's one other thing that I want to bring up.
2: Now, what is this one other thing you want to bring up? So, Don't interrupt me again, you jackass.
0: <laughs> well, the, the one last thing that I want to up, bring up is, is another unique mechanic that I have not seen in any other game, and that's since the Game Boy Advance games, you have been able to bring your Pokémon from one console, from one handheld generation into the next. Like some of the Pokemon that I have in my game, I've had all the way back since Fire Red and Leaf Green in two thousand four, and I've moved them from game to game, and I have kept them with me for you know more than a decade, and I think that's something else that kind of provides that uh, a huge appeal to the series is you know it's one of the few game series where we can actually feel like we own. A part of it, like it, like a part of it, is truly ours. And someone uh, posted something on Facebook a couple years ago that I thought was really profound. That in you know a few decades' time, we might be leaving our Pokemon to our children in our wills. You might be saying, "And to my son Charles, I leave all the I leave all of my Pokemon. May they bring you as much joy as they brought me." And I think that that is you know I think that's kind of a, I think that's kind of a really powerful concept. The concept of you know, having actual player ownership of, 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 of a portion of the game to actually have a piece of it be ours. I mean, I it, if that it, makes it, any real sense. It,
2: no, it's fascinating, because I forget that, because again, I've only played uh, maybe like two. I played Soul Silver, and then I played Y. Um, the only reason I played Y is because it had a big elk on it. And I was like, ah, oh, the other one has a dragon. That's boring. But... It's very interesting you sort of bring that up. So, as I was saying before, I was saying we have two more iterations of the franchise coming out later this year. Uh, later this year? Is it this year or next year?
0: Yep, this this November.
2: Yeah, Brian doesn't keep track of a lot of these news like he should. Anyway, so what what's the future of Pokemon? Is it just sort of kind of going with the flow that they've been doing right now? Just keep releasing every couple of years? Two games, maybe remaking some of the older games, kind of giving them a the facelift, bringing them back. Because you have to fear fear that eventually they're going to run out of monster concepts and Pokemon concepts. I mean, I I love some of the characters that I had when I was doing uh, Y, but some of them did feel a little, let's say, basic in terms. Um, so where where's the franchise going? What you what does I, the future hold?
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't think that the I don't think that that it, it, it's going to go away anytime soon. Nintendo has always have always been really good about insu- about ensuring that the core of their products stay strong. Um, you know, yeah, there could be an argument made that they could maybe stagger out the releases a little more, put a little more uh, effort to the design. Um, I know a lot of people weren't happy with Black and White's monster designs. God knows I wouldn't. But I don't see, you know, I don't see Pokemon going the way of, like, Assassin's Creed, where it just becomes so overdone that people are finally just like, oh god, you know, another another Assassin's Creed. Here we go. You know, I, I don't see Nintendo just kind of half assing it. Um, as far as beyond the core uh, games, uh, the big one that everyone is talking about right now is Pokemon Go, which is the uh, alternate reality cell phone game uh, that they're developing, where you're actually going to be able to go out into the into the real world and uh, catch Pokemon uh, in this in this alternate reality game. And that I think is you know again is is going to be I think that's going to be a huge huge thing I think that I think I I, I, I'm I'm willing to put in writing that I think Pokemon Go is going to be as big a phenomena as the original Red and Green games were back in the nineties. I'm scared about Pokemon Go and and again because of just the idea of being able to go out into the world and connect with people uh, over this shared interest. Um I am a little afraid of how of of the possibilities of how they might monetize it. I really don't want to see it become, you know, one of those microtransaction driven games. Um I really don't want to see it be a, sort of a pay to win model. Um but you know, I mean, Nintendo's been in this business for, you know, 3 decades now and I I don't think that they would just throw this out there Uh, as a cheap cash grab i think that they they value their brand too highly to just half-ass it so i really think that they're working on something special with pokemon go
2: that well that's not what scares me because that's that's sort of a business discussion what scares me is is that i'm gonna i'm gonna have this game right it's gonna be on my phone i'm gonna be at work and i'm gonna suddenly get up i'm like there's a squirtle
0: over there but i can't go over there but there's a
2: squirtle
0: over there. <laughs> I thought, oh, I thought you were going to make the, the, the stupid, tired old joke that uh, someone's going to break into your house because there's an RCS hiding in your closet.
2: No, the, the, I think, I, my fear is that I'm the one doing the breaking and entering. <laughs> <laughs> it's, just, it's just like, it's just like, there's a ghastly, but that's someone's car. Ah, <laughs> uh, they'll understand. <laughs> <laughs>
0: But, you know, I, I, I really think that that is, is going to be a paradigm changer. I really think it is. And, you know, again, it's just, I I, I think just the connection that, that people are going to be able to form over that. Like, you know, and, and you know that Nintendo is aware of that. And you know that they're playing to that. Like, if you go and you watch the Pokemon Go trailer, you know they're not emphasizing like you know oh you'll be able to catch this pokemon and that pokemon you know what they're playing to is the idea of you know sharing this experience with like you know your kids or your family members or you know making you know using it to bond with you and make friends with with new people you know they're they're really playing up the the social connection aspect of it in the trailer and uh I'm going to be honest I have a hard time watching the trailer without getting a little teary eyed it's just that you know it's just that awesome but you know that's that's me, you know. I, my My cold black heart has to beat occasionally. Well,
2: what, so. what
0: I find kind of interesting is that they, in terms
2: of future, because the big the big thing everyone's on now is VR. Like that's that's what everyone sort of has their uh, their eyes on, and it feels like Nintendo. Maybe they'll do VR, but they feel like for at least for Pokemon Go, they skip that. They're like virtual reality, virtual reality. Brian can't talk. We're gonna do or like almost actual reality. You will actually get to go out and, you know, see these things or and catch these things. Like screw and, putting a headset on, move, talk.
0: And you know, you, you you think about that and how unusual that is in the gaming industry at large, but when you look at it in terms of the how it relates to the Pokemon franchise itself, it makes perfect goddamn sense that they would go that direction. And like I said, I'm really interested in seeing where that goes. The only other Pokemon uh, we talked about is uh, Detective Pikachu, and that's only because of all the petitions to get Danny DeVito uh, to voice the character in the game. Which I'm not gonna lie, if 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 they actually got Danny DeVito to voice uh, Pikachu and 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 Detective didn't, I can't keep getting tongue-tied. If they actually got Danny DeVito to voice Detective Pikachu, try and say that five times fast. You just can't do it. (laughs) Either way, if they managed to do it, it would be a day one purchase. (laughs) So, de- so Detective Pikachu, does Detective Pikachu talk? Is that what's happening here? That's that's apparently what the story is. Yes. <laughs> so
2: he doesn't go Pika Pika.
0: No, he he is he is actually going to be speaking the King's English. <laughs> because
2: I feel as like a noir with Pokemon, the fact that he's to say Pika Pika in that very noir style is even pika. better than having Danny DeVito. Pika 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 Pika
0: <laughs> pika, pika. Pika, pika Pika Pikachu Pika Pika. Just, just, he smokes a cigarette.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Pika, <chill.
0: laughs> but yeah, the, like I, said, I, I, you know, I, re- I don't see Pokemon going away anytime soon. That's that's just the reality. I don't see it going away anytime soon, and I don't see it. I, I, I honestly, don't see it. At, you know, a lot of people talk about you know, oh, it's you know, it's it's waning, it's getting old. You know, not a lot of people are you know into it anymore. I, I don't see that and you know one of the things that amazes me about pokemon is you know the the same thing that amazes me about comic book fans or anime fans or science fiction fans or tabletop gaming fans it's the, the passion that people show over this you know the you know there are people who have you know it's like, it's like harry potter or you know lord of the rings there are people who have who their entire circle of friends has been Built around this property, and I think that you know something like that that can bring people together and form those kinds of friendships. I think is is really special, and you know I'm glad to to be able to live in a world where that kind of where that kind of thing exists that can bring people together like that. Sounds over sounds overly sappy, but there Very it is. Wrong. You know, it's 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 something it's well, something we can all appreciate. <laughs> I think we can all appreciate that.
2: I, I, I'll i agree with you on that one So, as we sort of wind down And I really can't follow up the sappiness there So we're going to wind things down Now, the next question is a big question Now, it is actually, I believe, a question we've been asked before But we're going to reiterate it here Who is your favorite Pokemon? Cat, go now
1: Oh my god, I don't have one Because I never watched it or played it or anything um, But if I had to pick one just based on looks Cute factor, cool factor, Umbreon. <laughs> okay,
2: I was trying to see if I can catch her off guard, but I almost got. Her. Oh
0: no, no, no! You, you're not gonna be able to catch her off guard.
2: <laughs> well, so <laughs> we got, we got her. So gone what's your
0: smart ass?
2: Well, I'm the host. I go last, so fuck you.
0: <laughs> you're going now. I'm
2: in charge. <laughs>
0: Mine, uh, my favorite Pokemon ever, uh, is the, uh, the level 91, it's now level 91 Electivire that I raised from an kid all the way back in Fire Red. That's, uh, that's my go-to. It is, it is, it always has a place on my team. You know, it's, it's, it's my buddy. It's my Chewbacca and he ain't, he ain't going nowhere. He's always going to be with me.
2: Oh, very nice. So I kind I mean, I, I mentioned mine before. I have a, a good close second. I feel, and this is this is why I, I sort of feel like like an a hole is that the reason not my uh, favorite one is Squirtle is, is absolute Squirtle, is not for reasons of I've had like I mean I've always had a Squirtle on my team but not for that it's because when he evolves he evolves into a giant turtle tank, like <laughs> I, that is the most superficial reason to like anything I realize that. And then when he had a mega evolution and we became a mega tank, I was like, "This is the greatest thing ever." <laughs> now, I, my, my my second, my very close second though is the is Linkario and the Linkario.
0: Reason... Did, did I say it wrong? Lucario. Lucario. Whatever. Linkario is the host of the top the fourth wall. No, that's Linkara. Ha ha! Now who's wrong? You both are. Now shut up
2: and continue. <laughs> But because I he's he's I consider him the David Carradine of Pokemon. That's that's the kind of reason I like him. He's just, he's very slow moving. He's got a fireball. I was like, this is good. This guy, I like this guy.
0: Yeah. All righty, okay. Well, uh, that about wraps up uh, the. That's about all the time we have for this episode. So uh, thank you as always for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed this discussion. I know I certainly had a ball uh, talking about Pokemon. So, uh, yeah, we will uh, see you next week for Finding Dory, which I know we're all looking forward to. And uh, we'll see you next week. Thank you as well always for tuning in. I'm Dr. Gonzo. I'm the cat. And I'm Brian. All right, we'll see you next week. Taka, play us out.